Hey guys, today I am doing something a little different and that is I'm doing a solo podcast. Uh, this is the 10th episode of The Next Brave Thing and I thought I'd have like a little check-in just to, um, yeah, chat about like how I'm feeling about the podcast and um, a little bit about the terminology I use in this and the purpose for why I share the stories I share. I really love words and I really love um, story and finding language to create meaning and purpose. And so I'm going to list through a few different words that you'll probably hear throughout my podcast and explain a little bit of the intention behind it. Because what I have learned is in my journey of mental health, emotional health, um, I, when I've sat in front of a counselor or I've watched a movie or had some sort of exchange where I have come with my problems or whatever and someone has been able to give language to how I'm feeling, it helps me move through that painful thing or it helps me get clarity about what my next step is. So really the heart and design of my podcast is to give you that language so that you can go, oh, yeah, I feel that too, but I would never admit it because um, I didn't even know that I could admit that. Um, and so, yeah, I I wanted to take the time to really um, dive through, go, we'll go through a few different terminology, language, things that I use. My sister, Susanna, she said, Ella, I think that you bring up Brene Brown in every single podcast. And she is correct. I do. I'm a huge fan of Brene Brown's work. She's a researcher, storyteller. She's amazing. Um, I love her content because she is also great at giving language to how you feel and think about the world. But I have this tagline that is, there is breakthrough on the other side of bravery. And um, what I mean by that is I think I thought breakthrough just kind of happened to you, like you just had to wait for it. And what I have learned is that that's quite a passive approach. And then if you come from more of a faith background, you can say, well, God is going to bless me. He's going to give me that or which I do believe in all that stuff, but I also think there's can be a bit of passivity in that, this idea of just sitting back and doing nothing. Um, and so that's why I do think that breakthrough happens when we're brave. And so bravery has looked like many different things in my life and they'll look like many different things to you. And sometimes I look at people and I'm in a leadership position at my the university I'm at and I look at people and we can judge them and say, oh, they didn't have integrity in that moment or they didn't, they compromised. And, and I think that at the heart of a lot of integrity compromises is because we're not able to be courageous, brave, stand up for what we believe in or... Um, we don't know how to be brave because we're afraid of consequences and we're afraid of failing. And um, I think that the heart behind this podcast is really to give you permission to get it a little bit wrong, to get it right. Um, but yeah, I want to go through some ideas that I have um, Yeah, and have uh, themes that I have throughout the podcast and really give you... Um, my perspective on on it 
And um, yeah, so I'm going to start with vulnerability, like why I use vulnerability in my podcasts. I believe that it creates authenticity. I think that vulnerability creates connection. I think of uncertainty when I think of vulnerability. Um, I think that we're all trying to figure out how to be certain in our life or be in control of our life. And so we really have to rumble through uncertainty, which creates vulnerability. And um, I don't know about you, but I've gone on a journey of like, what what does vulnerability mean to Allah? Because um, we all have different cultures and upbringings around vulnerability because some of us if we were vulnerable we would not be safe like and it could be used against us or yeah we could be manipulated by being vulnerable and so I understand that people's hesitation with being vulnerable and then also that we're kind of a part of this oversharing culture where we overshare every thing that we're thinking and experiencing and sometimes like it's not really appropriate so I get why it's a fine line of figuring out how to do vulnerability well Um, and in my journey of vulnerability I've had to learn to get it a little bit wrong to get it right I've had to go through I totally overshared in that moment and that person wasn't safe for me to share that Um, but I have I've chosen to continuously get back up and like choose into vulnerability because I also see the results of it being really great in terms of like being able to have greater connection with people, greater healing. I know the perfect context uh, for vulnerability is usually a therapist's office, counselor's office, because you kind of have to be vulnerable in that space because the, the counselor, the therapist is trying to get to the root of your problem and you just have to be radically honest with yourself and with them to be able to get to what are you really afraid of? What are you really scared of? Um, and sometimes just voicing that, like it'll lose its power. And so that's what's powerful about vulnerability. And I even know people when they fully own who they are or they fully share something that they were scared to share um, it breaks the power off of it over them. It's like it's sitting in their body and it's sitting in there as like a secret. And I know that there's liberation that happens when you actually voice things. Um, I do think there's a time and a place for it. I have gone on a date before where I have been told by the person I was on a date with like all their deepest, darkest secrets on that first date. And I was like, probably you don't really need to tell me that right now like and I hope they're not listening but I like I think and and I think the reason why we would do that is because it's like hey I'm going to tell you all the worst things about me so that you can reject me now make sure you know and that's actually not honoring your own story and your own life like you don't actually have to overshare in order to get connection, sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, if I, I learned that vulnerability is good. So I'm going to like overshare all my life so that we can have a deeper connection. And then the other person kind of walks away feeling a little bit like overloaded with information. So yeah, I encourage you to go on a vulnerability journey because 
I think in this podcast, I share vulnerable stories, but it doesn't feel vulnerable to me now. It does feel vulnerable for me to like put out a podcast. That does feel like, ugh. like that's vulnerable, but it feels in line with my values to do that. Um, but it's probably more on the side of transparency. What I'm doing is like, I've actually, you know, reconciled and made sense of that story. So I'm totally fine with that going out there. And if you judge it, okay, I'm actually not judging myself anymore about that. So cool, whatever. Um, but yeah, we, there was a specific choice in me wanting to be vulnerable or wanting to share stories that feel like sensitive. Like, you know, I just had my mom on the podcast and that was very brave for her to share, you know, mom failure stuff and I think very courageous, but I'm we're 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 putting something out there like that with a purpose. And the purpose is to actually make people feel less alone in the world. Um so yeah, there's a lot of we want to really think about our vulnerability and what the purpose behind it is. Um and I think because I've signed up to the belief that vulnerability is good, um, now it's a matter of like me figuring out like when is the appropriate time to really let that out. Because uh, I definitely know some cultures, it's very much you just don't show your weakness. The trouble with that though is we can feel very locked up alone and isolated. And so if you're feeling lonely, Maybe something to break away from that would be vulnerability and inviting in connection. So, yeah, I don't think that vulnerability is necessarily weakness. I think that vulnerability can be the greatest sign of courage. Um, yeah. And so, and even something that if you have a therapy session with someone and you've never done that before and you're really vulnerable, um, what will normally happen is you will normally have it have like a vulnerability hangover where you go back. Oh my gosh, I shouldn't have shared that. Um, but actually like that's where you just have grace for yourself and you tell yourself, I'm just learning vulnerability, just learning who is safe, just learning all those things. Um, and I hear the craziest stories all day long <laughs> that don't even feel crazy to me because I just don't view it through a lens of judge judgment I just view it through, okay, like tell, help me understand a bit more of like where you're coming from. Like, because um, I think the more we can own our experiences, um, the more we get free. And so I'm all about freedom. So that's my thoughts on vulnerability. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is triggers. Um, so when I was in the first year of starting this university, um, the performing arts school, I felt triggered all the time and um, I had a meeting with a mentor and I must have been talking about being triggered, being triggered, being, being triggered. And she said, hey, Ella, um, I think that maybe for the next month, don't use the word trigger. Like you want to give that word a rest. And the reason why she was saying that and, you know, that was like a little uncomfortable correction which was great but um the reason why she was saying that is because trigger like what does that even mean and it really is like you're you're not being specific about how you're really feeling you're just saying you're triggered 
what's inside the trigger. And so what that required of me is to go deeper into the trigger, like to make sense of it. So instead of saying triggered, I would say, oh, I was really hurt when that person did that, or I felt really rejected when that person didn't invite me to that thing, or I feel really disappointed Like I thought that this would look different or I feel shame because I'm doing a lot of new things I've never done before. And I never knew that accrediting a school would cost us this much emotionally. And so learning how to unpack like what a trigger is, which is really a button has been pushed internally or it can feel like an activation an emotional event has taken place inside my internal world. So really finding language for that has been super helpful in getting to freedom because triggers are spaces that give us really good information. So when I have a student or a, or a client sit down with me and like they just are in a rage about something or something happened and it's terrible and they're really snappy and fiery and I'm like okay then they feel like a little embarrassed that they got that fiery or whatever and I'm like actually you just presented your triggered self not your true self and um your triggered self is looking to be protected is um probably reactive is uh even your triggered self can be like disengaged or um, it could be avoidant, it could be anxious, it could be um, aggressive, it could be passive, it could be punishing. Um, And so being able to articulate what your triggered self is versus your true self, your true self is like whole, worthy, deserving of love, um, enough, And usually we can move through the earth feeling like our triggered self. And it's like that thing where you see someone and you're like, whoa, they're crazy. And maybe they are crazy, (laughs) but um, it's usually like when we react to a level two problem with a level 10 reaction, that's a sign of uh, a trigger. And um, Abby Stumble kind of puts it pretty well. She kind of explains a trigger being like a hashtag. So if you're on social media, you go to the hashtag and it pulls up all the photos that are related to that hashtag. Let's say adventure. If you go to that, you'll see all the adventure photos that have been tagged in it. And so what a trigger is, it's like a tag that goes to all our painful memories associated with that problem. So when we have pain from our past, let's say you were rejected on the on the playground in high school in in elementary school, and then you got rejected um, by the friend group in high school, and then you had rejection in college, or and you, and you kind of have these um, rejection history <laughs> or pattern in your life. And then you'll be in an adult situation where everyone else got invited out for drinks, but you didn't get invited. And you have a level 10, like, no one likes me. They're awful because they're clicky and they're the worst. And it's usually because we are 
um, bringing all of our history of rejection. And it's almost like we're in relationship with rejection. If you imagine rejection was a person, that's probably your best friend that you hang around. And then people can see that you're best friends with rejection. So they don't invite you out to things anyway. So that's kind of how triggers manifest. I, especially with moving countries, I think in the 10 guideposts of Uh, living a brave life in that episode I share. And also with my mom, I share how when we're brave, our trauma comes up. And so really all the triggers shows all my insecurity, all the places I don't have a sense of security within myself. So I bring all of my rejection, all of my abandonment, all of my, um, feelings of disrespect or times where I was shut down and didn't have a voice or times I didn't feel intelligent or times I didn't feel included or times I didn't feel chosen. All of those moments, if I have a backlog of history, I bring that into whatever environment I'm currently in. And so that's what's happened. What happened for me a lot when we helped start this university is all of my past pain that I thought I dealt with kind of resurfaced. And the gift of that is that you can actually deal with it. Um, And so part of healing that has been changing the narrative, changing the story I believe about myself, the story I believe about people. Um, So there is a way to heal triggers. And what I've found now is because I had to fight to feel secure in myself, I feel way, I know how to... um, reorientate myself back to my true self rather than my triggered self. When I'm triggered, I'm usually disorientated. I don't know who I am and what I'm supposed to do and I feel insecure and all of that. But there is practices that you can do and maybe book in a session with me (laughs) where you can literally reorientate yourself. So going from disorientated, don't know where I am and who I am and what what I'm about, to orientation. I know who I am. I feel at peace within myself. I feel like I'm okay in the world. I don't feel alone in the world. Um, So there's a way of like learning that, but just if you're noticing yourself getting triggered a lot, um, that could mean that you're either going to default into low self-worth or you can use it as an invitation to upgrade your self-worth go because it really just highlights like where you don't feel worthy where you don't feel good enough and so it's learning how to leverage that into increasing your self-worth and and getting getting more information about why you feel that way Um, but I would recommend doing that with a counselor so that you don't feel like you're going into unhealthy introspection which is towards self-hatred, self-criticism, isolation. You want to bring that stuff to the light. So that's triggers. Um, And triggers is a big thing in relationships for sure because of mirrors. People are mirrors to us. They reflect back to who we are. Um, And yeah, so that's can be really painful. Something else that's important to know as you go on your transformation journey is that you will have to revisit the same thing over and over again. I remember thinking I've, I have this thing where I would see a new counselor and I'd be like, have to kind of preface like I've done tons of counseling. I've worked through my parent issues. I've done all that. 
And I, and part of it is because I have this proving thing in me that's like, I need to prove to you that I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, and so when I would sit, I remember sitting down and I'm like, yeah, I've totally worked through my daddy issues. And the therapist said to me, are you healed? And I was like, maybe not. <laughs> um, and I think that's super important for people to know is that when you're really changing the way that you see yourself, changing the way you see the world, you kind of keep revisiting the same thing over and over. And the reason for that is, is if you have thought a, a thought your whole life about yourself, just having one aha moment will not necessarily change that whole thought pattern in your subconscious. We need to actually revisit things um, and be intentional about seeing where something in your past is affecting the way you view life now because, um, yeah, we, we have so many experiences and we're so nuanced as a person. We're not one-dimensional and so a lot of how we think and behave is connected to what we believe about ourselves and how we what we believe about ourselves is usually taught to us through parenting through culture through um, often painful experiences so the idea that you have one experience of counseling and then all of a sudden you're fully solved, you know exactly what's going on, uh, isn't very true. There's usually a process of integrating your head and your heart. And so often I will have people sit down in front of me, whether it's in a counseling session or a student or whatever, and they will list out everything they know. And I'm usually good at seeing like, and I've done this for myself, like I can pat, I can, I can connect the dots and I can uh, see the cycles and the patterns and I can make sense of that through, I think this happened because of something that happened in my past and that affects this. And I can, I can really articulate to you why I do what I do, but can I actually change? Can I actually integrate uh, into a new way of thinking and seeing and feeling about myself. And that actually takes time. And it, it, there is something that is super important is remembering and revisiting. So remembering like that moment where you had this enlightened or revelation and really reminding yourself that that is the truth of who you are. Um, so, there is an integration process and I've noticed this because I'm around some really intelligent 19, 20 year olds and I, and they have gotten into emotional health early, maybe because their parents valued it and they like just know the stuff and they have really great language for what is happening in them internally. And I'm super impressed that they know how to articulate what shame is. And that's so impressive, but often what it feels is very light. It doesn't feel grounded and integrated because, and not to say that 20 year olds can't be grounded and integrated. I actually think they can be, but something about life experience and wrestling through tension and wrestling through life experience 
helps you kind of solidify big questions in your soul. And so even in faith-based communities, there's a lot of like head knowledge of what's right and what's biblical or whatever, but they don't know how to integrate what they believe um, to the place where it's um, really authentic to who they are um, or really lived out in who they are. And so, um, yeah, I just kind of felt like I needed to share that because transformation does take time and it doesn't just happen overnight. And sometimes we do have these experiences in life where we go, whoa, I had an experience, like whether that be a spiritual experience where you're like, whoa, I got set free from addiction or I got set free from something I struggled with my whole life. And I think that that happens. There's a spiritual world that brings that acceleration. But I also do think that day in, day out, there is needed daily practices and and a way of living life aware of what is happening in our subconscious that's super important into feeling whole, you know. So, yeah. So the other thing I want to talk about is seasons. And um, just as there are like seasons in life, um, so summer, autumn, winter, spring, um, you need different things in different seasons. And sometimes... Um, I'll ask a client, like, what season are you in? Like, what do you think if you could define where you're at um, in life? Like, how would you define it? And I like to use seasons um, because I think that sometimes um, if we're in a winter season, it can feel quite barren. It can feel like a stripping back. Uh, There can be a sense of cold, like it doesn't, you know, and I think that like we need different outfits in different seasons. So what you would wear in summertime is not going to be really appropriate for winter. So sometimes defining the season that you're in can help you figure out what do I actually need to survive this season. Sometimes we feel like our life is always going to be this one way and that the season won't change. But I think that the more that we lean into surrendering to the season that we're in, the season will naturally change. Um, So learning to get language around what season you're in is super helpful. And then figuring out what you need in that time to feel sustainable in that season and get the most out of that season. So it's like when people talk about having kids and, um, oh my gosh, they grow up so fast. It's like, how can you recognize the season I'm in with young kids and really enjoy the most of that and make the most of that? to when I have a season where I have teenagers and I'm going to need different resources. I'm going to need different things to help me be sustainable and keep connected to myself and keep emotionally sound whole (laughs) in those crazy times. The other thing that's um, been a part of my journey is really this kind of space of uncertainty, which I've kind of talked about uncertainty when I talked about vulnerability And everybody has in life a time where they don't know and they don't have answers. And often we can make up stories about who we are uh, in that moment of uncertainty, but really to flip it around from like doom and gloom, we can actually look at it as a place of surrender and trust. Um, 
And with uncertainty, I know for me, I want to control so much. Like I want to have it be sorted out. I want to be able to label it. Sometimes I can use my emotional intelligence to control a situation so that I can be like, well, this is what's happening in someone else. And that's why they feel that. Uh, Sometimes I do that because I want to feel control. (laughs) I want to feel a sense of certainty. But actually, sometimes I just need to identify like I'm just in an uncertain place. I just don't know. And that's okay. Like the answer will reveal itself. And that is something that I've had to really learn is to let go of control and trust that answers will come. I think that I have wrestled through this belief system and I don't say this as a gimmicky positive thinking thing, but I actually do really deeply believe that everything works together for good. Everything will work out. And it may not be what I expected. It may not like, I just really believe that redemption exists and not in like a naive way, but I like to view my uncertainties through the lens of redemption Um, because when I can pivot and go, everything is figure outable and I can look for opportunity rather than defeat. <laughs> There's something in kind of creating resilience in you as a person. It makes you um, hopeful. Um, and I think that because I've stared in the face a lot of uncertainty, especially moving countries with no money, you kind of really confronted with that this could all fall apart this could all be condemned and I think all of us have little judgments or little condemnations going off internally (laughs) where we feel like if I do that it's all going to be over it's all going to be bad and and really I through counseling and trauma counseling I've really been able to be like actually the truth is we're actually all going to be okay And the reason why we feel scared of things, because I'm not being naive in saying that some things just don't work out, that some things just don't, but I can believe that there is a sense of the sun rising again and something new happening. And that's why I think stories are so powerful because we can watch someone go through something devastating as loss or something really painful and we can see how they rebuild and how they rise from that. And I think that that's the real gift of um, seeing a counselor or reading these kind of books by Brene Brown is really learning that actually I can rebuild and I can rise up. And yeah, so... That's why I do believe at my core, and I have a conviction around this, that everything does work out for good if we keep leaning in. I think the times that it doesn't is when we give up and when we um, settle. So I think 
my goal in life is to really not settle for anything. And that takes courage because it's easier to settle. It's more comfy to settle. And so I would encourage any listener to really just look at your life and go, where am I playing small? Where am I hiding? Where do I need to take a next brave thing step? What is my next brave thing? Because the world, like I feel like God just sends us clues and we just have to be willing. As long as we're looking for them, I think we will find them. Um, but we have to be willing to leave what is familiar to what is unfamiliar. It's like when you see someone in an abusive relationship and you're like, why do you keep going back to that person? Like they're abusive. And the reason why people do that is because it's familiar. Their brain has learned that that is safe as weird as that is, because our brain learns when it's uncertain, it's unsafe. So even in the road to transformation, this is why I have so much compassion for people on their journey of transformation is, yeah, I have so much compassion for people who, you know, are trying to change things in their lives. It's really hard to change things about yourself. And so I have a lot of grace and compassion for people who struggle to change things about themselves. I don't judge them because I understand trauma and I understand how we really, it's really hard to break patterns in our life. And so that's why I think it's very courageous when we choose to disrupt our patterns because your brain has learned that that is safe uh, because it's familiar. So even that abusive relationship, even though it isn't actually technically safe, it feels safe to your brain because it's familiar, it feels certain, it feels like you know what you're going to expect. Whereas actually changing, let's use, you know, the abusive relationship, it actually takes courage to believe that you're worth something better to leave something like that. Um, so that's why I can't really judge anyone because I know that we all have that in varying degrees of where we settle and stay in our comfort zone. Um, and so that's why it does take courage to break off from old patterning and stepping into the life that we fully dream of because it's the realm of uncertainty and it's the realm of sometimes disappointment and frustration. And yeah, so the thing is, I think what's beautiful is it's worth it and there's a payoff in all of that. Anyway, so here's my ramble. Hopefully it is been it has been helpful in some ways. <laughs> um I encourage you to figure out what vulnerability looks like for you and start looking for payoffs for it. Um figure out what season you're in. Yeah, grapple with this space of uncertainty, the space between not knowing and knowing is trusting. So yeah, we all need to grow our own trust muscle and everybody is waiting for something, but there is a way and a posturing that we can do to participate with um, making things actually manifest and happen in our lives. So I hope today has been helpful 
and you've stayed with me for this episode. <laughs> um, and I'd love for you to download, subscribe, write a review, um, put a rating there, um, share with your friends and write in and let me know what your next brave thing is. Let me know what you need to do in order to shift things and change things up in your life uh, to get the life that you really want. And stay tuned for more great episodes on living a courageous life.